Rowan, you sit in an interrogation room, opposite an unnamed older gentleman in a government suit. Neutral expression, pursed lips, uh, quiet up until now. You take a moment to sip some coffee, rest your voice, gather your thoughts. We still don't know who created your task force, and I assume you would have told us if you knew. I've told you everything I know on that topic. By the book so far, team assembled quickly but professionally, investigating an unnatural death of a deputy sheriff using your actual credentials made that easy on us. But this fellow, this castle, he's been on and off our radar for quite a while now, mostly off. What do you know about him? I'll sit back and consider that for a moment before answering. He's professional, but prefers to keep distance between himself and the current investigation. He mentioned he's retired, but proved very helpful when we needed assistance. Otherwise, I don't know much about him. And he didn't tell you anything else about him? Old Delta Green agents get that way because they don't share information unless they have to. <laughs> Which makes me worry about my longevity. Gave you guidance, gave you a phone, gave you a car, reminded you of the green box, left you to handle the investigation. So, let's talk about the investigation. What did you do next? You're listening to The Redacted Reports, a Delta Green podcast. It's Monday evening. We'll say it's about 6.45 p.m. You guys have found a little uh, motel on the outskirts of Helena, Montana. Population 54,000. The entire population of Lewis and Clark County, which is where this uh, location is, is 63,000 people. Is That's the county population of Lewis and Clark County. So it's almost everybody is Helena. And there's a couple of very tiny towns spaced out. Everything's spaced out far away from each other, as far away as they feel is necessary to feel comfortable being a whole other little town, an independent little town situated in some very, very wide open, spacious valley. And, and Helena, Montana is, is a nice, it's kind of situated in a valley in a sense, but it's a very easy sloping valley. Beautiful, majestic mountains behind it, beautiful, majestic mountains to the east as well. And uh, to the south, in fact, there's this, it's a nice valley situation. The town is dominated by a Gothic cathedral with two spires, largest building in town, uh, very beautiful, Gothic style, 100 years older or so. Otherwise, it's mostly one and two-story buildings. Uh, nothing outrageous. Everything's nice big house. I mean, nice big lots for all the houses. And there is downtown. There's a lot of these Victorian houses. There was a time in Helena, Montana's history where there was a kind of a gold rush and a silver rush, a boom. Where a lot of, there are a whole bunch of millionaires that sprung up about 120 years ago. They all built these nice, beautiful Victorian style houses in downtown. Uh, so there's an, it's got a look to it. It's, it's, it's well maintained. It's the state capitol building as well as here, but it's smaller than the church. Um, not a lot to write home about, but this motel is, um, just off Interstate 15. It's cheap. They don't ask a lot of questions. Uh, rooms each have two double beds, a mini fridge, microwave, and a phone. You have your own phone and a TV with cable. It's great. Modern conveniences. Does everyone want to gather in Agent Rowan's room? Is that our meeting point? I mean, sounds good to me. All right. So once everyone has picked their spaces out, uh, minimally unpacked your things, stashed your stuff, uh, maybe made a quick phone call to the wife and kids, maybe. You all gather up in Rowan's room to kind of make plans. What do you want to do? It's still Monday. Monday, October the 5th. And the sun is just about down. So first thing. While they're sitting there, Rooster's going to look around and go, everybody got basic armaments? I've got a little, I grabbed something. It's not as high tech as I would have in the field uh, in Afghanistan, but it's, it'll work. I've got spares for when we actually go in. I've got armor for me. I know everyone else has their own. And then he, he sort of tosses out, tosses to everybody a uh, burner phone. I'm going to be juggling like four phones by the end. I already have four phones at this point. <laughs> Yeah, so what's one more phone? Uh, yes, this 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 makes lucky number four, I guess. Yeah, I'll take it. Thank you. I've got I've got knives, bigger stuff too, but uh, I won't unpack that quite yet. How much cash did Rooster want to bring from your guys' stash? That's a good question. 
for indeterminate, I'm th- thinking probably about 10. So 10, about 10, 10K. 10K. All right. And these about are stacks of 20s. So um, every stack of 20 is $120 bills. So one stack is going to be 2000 bucks, right? Five stacks of 20s, basically. Yeah, that's reasonably easy to keep hidden. Yeah. Basically enough to, you know, for indeterminate amount of time. We've got a legit cover here. We can make our regular expenses, uh, you know, like the hotel and meals. The agency will cover those. We we are on official business. This is more of the unexpected expenses that we may not want to put on a official report. And Rooster did not know that at the time. He yeah, was no. just being prepared. And and he did ask Rowan if he should bring cash, and she said yes, mostly because you always want cash in emergencies. Uh, the one thing I don't have necessarily is correct clothing. I don't know what the situation's going to be, but I recommend we stop at Walmart at some point. So just as a quick note, uh, task forces, Agent Rowan is very familiar with these, and River may have done some of these in the past, but it's the Bureau is covering this. Whenever these task forces happen, the FBI always puts themselves in the lead of these things, and they manage it all, and then they pay all the expenses, and then the agent in charge has to do the paperwork later on. And usually the budget is fine, and maybe there's some follow-up, and there's some justification of expenses or whatnot. But um, for the most part, they don't really do penny-pinching up front for these. It's on the back end that they audit this stuff later on down the road. So, But for now, you've got a great credit fund, and you can appropriate whatever you need that fits the mission of your task force, as long as it can be justified bureaucratically at some past date. And, uh, and Rowan will, will uh, point that out. I was like, you know, we have a good credit line, but I, if anything looks weird, I'm the one who's going to have to answer to that. So uh, unless you're actually upset with me, please don't make me do that. Yeah, we'll follow your lead, Rowan. So. Yeah, so I think, Rowan, this is your first task force. And of course, this is Roosters as well. It's a multi-government agency investigation of an indeterminate length based on a specific investigation, a target investigation, which is, of course, classified, but you all would be have the clearance to know what the mission is, which I'm sure Rowan is just going to have to fake that stuff later on down the road. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to have some, some explaining to do on very official paperwork, so this ought to be fun. Yeah, but somebody in D.C. created this for you, so... There is that. There's somebody else out there that is helping you grease the wheels. Okay, that was a question I meant to ask. Was there a name on that folded up piece of paper that uh, Matheson gave me? It, because I, I, I saw what was in the envelope, but I didn't, I didn't get anything for what was on in the folded piece of paper that he handed me. Uh, it would basically be showing out of a particular department at Quantico. It doesn't give you a name or a case officer or whatnot. Uh, because, of course, the paper that was given to you is was viewed by your supervising officer and others at the Bureau. So that's no, there's no identifying features on the task force uh, creation documents, assignments, or whatever. But but I do know what department it came out of. Yeah, you could track it down using your elite bureaucracy skills if you wanted to. Someone generated that at a higher level, maybe fictitiously, mind you. We'll, we'll deal with that on the back end. <laughs> yeah, and that's, and that's something that she's... She has in the back of her mind to think about later and like making the mental note list of justifications for the official paperwork. But that is that is future Rowan's problem. <laughs> so Rowan of this evening and the rest of our cell, what's your investigative tasks? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Well, I think Rooster's right. Um, making a stop over at Walmart to get at least light provisions. I imagine we're not going to want to eat out every time. So if we can get things that can be made in the hotel room or the motel room as a quick morning go and some clothes for Rooster to look a little bit more fit in. What? I've there. got jeans and a black t-shirt. I mean, honestly, you probably look like you fit in more than I do, but I'm FBI. I'm not supposed to. Yeah. Are we going to fit in like locals or are we going to fit in like FBI? That's the question. Do I need a bad-looking suit, or do I need a fleece-lined flannel jacket? Rowan looks down at her suit. What's wrong with my suit? (laughs) You don't look like most FBI guys. Fair enough. I actually give a shit. He kind of looks her up and down a little bit and goes, yeah, let's go with that. I think what Rooster means is we want to make sure we're fitting in where we need to fit in and not standing out when we don't want to stand out. Make sure we're not. Sure, let's go with that. Is Rory wearing a uniform? Rory, what are you wearing? 
He probably he wouldn't have worn his uniform if it wasn't official like Air Force business. He wouldn't have worn his uniform. Probably something ca- like right now something casual. He's probably got a uniform with him if he needs it, and he's got like his medical kit and probably a white coat somewhere if he needed to pull that out. Not likely. If he if he if he need to look like a lab person. <laughs> what if we're gonna go deal with rabbits? We don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I suppose it comes down to Rooster. Do you have enough of what you need for an indeterminate amount of time? You were the one who mentioned wanting a Walmart stop. I mean, indeterminate amount of time. This is not California. I'm and it's I'm probably gonna need something a little warmer than a t-shirt at some point. But again, do I am I supposed to look FBI? Am I supposed to look like hitter? Am I supposed to look like a local? Because I've got Hitter taken care of. Your paperwork says Hitter, and your your Hitter organization is apparently rather popular here, which I didn't actually know when I contacted Breckenridge, but here we are. Okay, uh, was, no, I found it out as we got to the base, because you know what would be perfect is a Breckenridge baseball hat right now. I wonder if we could find something like that at Walmart. Walmart it is. Let's let's go get the lay of the land. We're going to be here a couple of weeks, and that's one of the big supply places. It seems like a good idea. All right. So we move forward. You guys do a Walmart run where you, get, you gather <laughs> essential gear. You gather extra Shopping. clothes. Uh, grab, do not even start with me. <laughs> some snacks. So, Ben, give me a, a luck roll to see what if you think it is useful or unusual there. Useful or unusual. Oh, goody. 89? Yeah, unfortunately, this is this is more of... They got the bare essentials for Walmart. A lot of Kirkland. A lot of Kirkland stuff going on that's here. That's Costco. Oh, damn, that's no, Costco. No, that's the Costco. Okay. No, no, no. There's a Costco, too. Do you guys want to go to Costco? There's more stuff at Costco. Just no Breckenridge stuff at Costco. Damn. I don't know. I, I definitely want the, like, plaid flannel fleece line jacket thing. They got those. On. Walmart's got that covered. Uh, that oh, in yeah. spades. That is, like, the, the, the fashion. Yeah, there's a lot of warm, thick flannel, a lot of, you know, nice, nice jackets, uh, hunting gear, uh, stuff that looks like your hunters or fishermen. Fly fishermen is great. Very seasonal. One question. Is Montana an open carry state? Oh, oh hell We're going yeah. to say yes. I think oh, that's a good guess. I was guessing, I so. but so Rooster is going to pick up a, um, a cheap, non-tactical looking holster so he can carry his forty-five. You know, just like a leather basic thing for his for his hip so that he isn't looking like since he can't pull off the Breckenridge look he doesn't want to be wearing actual tactical gear right now yeah so in the sporting goods section of Walmart we got holsters of course that's what that's a sporting good right that's what you need mm-hmm. if you're a sports person in Walmart mm-hmm. and they got spare shotguns but you guys are covered in the shotgun department obviously you can get all the gear you want nice nice fur covered hats or hunting hats you got the uh, you guys, you guys get some rose-colored uh, hunting glasses if you want some. The shooting glasses. I already have. I, I already have my my rose shooting glasses. Uh, you guys can all put a pair on if you want. <laughs> As if I would wear these glasses to go to go to the range. I have my shooting glasses. I'm gonna grab one of those big fluffy uh, hats with the ears that tie up on top. Perfect. And then stick it on top of River's head, and go. Yeah, Looking that doesn't good. work at all. It's a, what's River wearing? I, th- I think River normally wears, you know, kind of a, a button shirt and, and slacks and carries a, a suit jacket with him, but tries not to wear it as much as possible. That's probably what he was wearing on the on the flight over. He, he's going to stash his, his EPA windbreaker, like, in the bottom of his, his duffel bag <laughs> where nobody can see it. And I, I think he, he's going to buy just a nondescript light jacket and, and baseball cap. For when he doesn't want to look like somebody in a suit. Yeah, and Rowan changed from from her suit into uh, jean, jeans and a, and a t-shirt um, and a, a pea coat that buttoned up the side before leaving leaving the hotel. And she'll also grab one of those fur-lined flannels for when she doesn't want to look uh, FBI. Because there may be instances where it's like, okay, we need to slide under the radar for a bit. All right, so everybody gets the stuff they need from Walmart, uh, rings it up. It was a company credit card, perhaps. Great, fun times. Some snacks for the room, some extra spare bottles of water, other things you guys think you might possibly need. Lots of extra coffee. Mm -hmm. Rowan need her coffee. Yeah, And Rowan is a Starbucks drinker, is that right? 
she was she mostly drinks Starbucks when she's in like Sacramento and the Bay, but she all but but at home she has her own little espresso machine. So she she varies depending on where she is. Your hotel room does does not have a coffee maker. No, but 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 the Walmart should have at least reasonable drip coffee. It's better it'll be better than what's in the hotel room. There are two Starbucks in Helena. Of course, there's Starbucks oh, everywhere. They're 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 going to get to know Rowan's order very well. Well, there's two of them. Nope. There's three of them, and Amazing. two of them are across the street from each other. Amazing. They'll get to know Rowan's order very well. Because one, one of them, in classic Starbucks fashion, one is a Starbucks, the other is across the street in the Safeway. All right, so everything is taken care of. Uh, the shopping is done. You guys grab some food to eat. Um, retire back to Agent Rowan's room again with everyone's kind of munching on your food and drinks and unwinding. Is there anything else the group wants to do this evening or just want to pick it up in the morning? So what's our plan tomorrow exactly? We going to check out where this guy died? We going to check out body? What are we doing here? Well, we have several branches of investigation that we need to handle. We need to talk to his bosses at the sheriff's department. We need to talk to his widow. We need to chat with uh, the EPA lady. Rory, you said that there was something that you particularly wanted to check out? I just want to talk to the guy that examined him, that wrote the autopsy report. Okay, so we'll probably want to make a stop at the hospital and chat with the mortician or whoever they have on staff for yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you, the, you, have, you have you have the information on the report. Yeah, and then the sheriff's office, I think, can probably point us in the right direction too. Probably, I'm thinking that the sheriff's department is going to be our first point of entry, partially out of courtesy. Uh, the sheriff's department always wants to know when the feds are coming in, and I would like to start on the right foot with them. And Rowan has a little experience with the sheriff's departments, just a bit. So is that going to be looking FBI or looking local? Looking FBI at that point. We are we are here as an official task force uh, headed up by by the FBI. I think we start on the federal side of things. And if we need to go a little more undercover, then we work from there. Was I able to get like just a windbreaker? Oh, yeah. You get that. At Walmart? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, with Without... Anything else being uh, planned this evening? We'll just make it a. We'll just call it an evening. You guys get up the next morning. And we begin well, our River, process. River spent spent the flight up uh, going through the the report for this mission in in pretty good detail. Uh, this evening he's gonna pull an old uh, manuscript out of his bag. That's kind of a old dot matrix printer paper, and he's gonna start skimming through it and see if it has anything that catches his eye as being relevant to this mission. I'm going to double check on that. So um, picking up from Beyond the Veils of Science by the the very mysterious Dr. Harlow Y. Patton. You, you've, it's a it's slow reading because this guy is way off the reservation. Uh, he's, he has a lot of weird logical loops and leaps. Uh, it's all written in English, obviously, so there's no problem with translation. But yeah, he's he seems like, from what you've gathered in the first, let's say you're about 28 pages into it at this point, He's like physics, um, quantum mechanics, quantum physics, uh, all the other, all the other physics. He's got that down. And he's talking about concepts that, that you really have to kind of rack your brain and think back to your college years to kind of grasp. But it's been a slow process, but he's, he's really going on to how relativity and string theory really aren't that different. And really it's, they're just different sides of the same coin. And it's, but it's, you know, it's an illusion. It's, it's like, like a, a dimension. When we have our eleven-dimension universe and whatnot, so it's, he's rambling on about how there is a higher mathematical law to the to the world, a, a higher geometric understanding that you must grasp if you really want to uh, fathom reality and be able to harness and control reality. So it's an interesting reading, but um, it does hurt your brain after about two and a half hours in. Uh, you get to maybe page fifty-six or so, taking a couple of notes along the way. Um, yeah, and I'm skipping it, to the end, looking for an index. And... In the in the end, there's no index, but he's got a lot of very complicated formulas as his appendices to this journal. Uh, very complex, higher mathematical formulas at the end. You know, using basically Greek terms and Greek symbols for mathematical equations. And these are like appendices to information that went throughout the entire manuscript. So you're supposed to skip back and forth or whatnot. But it's it's a, it's a strange, complex book that's still taking you some time to to, to uh, gather. But you're kind of you're starting to understand that this guy uh, he's probably crazy. But this there's a reason that Delta Green had confiscated this manuscript, and perhaps you will find out soon. 
Was this the thing from the green box? Oh, of course it was. Okay. It was one of them. Anyone else want to do some light reading before bed? <laughs> uh, no reading, but Rory will uh, text Andrew just to make sure, to let him know he got here safe and ask how Chase is doing. Yeah, so uh, I mean, Andrew sends you back a picture of Chase. Uh, you see Chase is curled up on the couch next to Andrew in the, in the photo, and they're both, they're both watching uh, like, probably like a Doctor Who rerun of something or some sort like that. Oh, by the way, podcast listeners, Chase is a dog. <laughs> yeah, Chase is a uh, Rory's chocolate lab. Andrew is watching for him. So Andrew types okay, his his response to you is something like "Miss you, see you soon?" Question mark. Yeah, I'll text back. Um, I yeah, I guess move. I've kind of told him the gist of what is going on. Text him, let him know. I'll give him updated. All right, it takes back. Can you talk about it? Not over. I can let you know when and everything's over. All right. So, all right. It's cool. No, no NP, no problem. Chase misses you too. And another picture of Chase hanging out, like leaning. Chase is like laying his head on Andrew's lap in the next picture. I send, I do the heart reaction to it on the iPhone. And then uh, I probably go to bed at that point because I'm still very tired from working uh, in, in the ER over the weekend, overnight. That sounds good. Any any other last minute evening calls? No, no calls for me, but Rowan does start typing up initial reports, just noting in things for... Uh, the Delta Green side of things, and just beginning beginning to to start her preliminary report. All right. So Tuesday, October sixth, we'll start at eight o'clock a.m. I imagine everyone takes care of their own breakfast needs, gets their own coffee, perhaps. I don't know if, if Rowan <laughs> wants to make a call because I know she's going. Um, I, I I don't know how far away the Starbucks is from from where our motel is. The person with the map pulled up might be able to tell me. I mean, Rowan probably has the Starbucks app, right, on one of her phones, and it will it shows you it, it's it's right there on your phone. There's three different Starbucks within that 1.2 miles from your location. Yeah, and and I would have been up at probably about six o'clock because FBI life has me up pretty early anyway. So I I would have been up do like a brief morning exercise type of thing, get dressed and go put in my my order and take a walk to get my coffee. Yeah, it's a, a chilly morning air, very clean. The air is is crisp. It's um, River would love it. It's just the type of environment that that he really uh, feels more at home with. You know, the, the cool, clean, crisp air. A uh, breeze is flowing through. It's a little breezier here, a lot more windy here than other places in the country we've been. But yeah, you get the coffee, you settle in, everyone gets up at their own time, and we'll just get the group together again. Eight o'clock, everybody's got their coffee, got their breakfast bagels, or breakfast burritos if you like them. There's donuts just down the street, if that's what you're into. So whatever you guys want to munch on, you've gathered it. You've assembled it in the room. Uh, Everyone's eaten, and what's your plan for the morning? Right. As soon as everyone's assembled and has eaten and Rowan has finished <clears throat> her first coffee of the day, she'll look around at the group and say, all right, are we ready to go and have a chat with the sheriff and his folk? Sounds good to me. All right. So um, you guys, it's a short drive in the Range Rover. You head to the Lewis and Clark County Sheriff's Office located at 221 Breckenridge Street. It is adjacent to the Helena Police Department. They, uh, their buildings are attached together, attached at the hip. They're different offices. They have different jurisdictions, but they are, they're buddies and they both exist on this street. Just around the corner, there's a little tiny parole probation office and there's other small county agencies, you know, that, that you would expect to have offices around here. The hospital or the morgue isn't here, but it's close by. So that's maybe a couple blocks away. Inside the Lewis and Clark County Sheriff's Office, it is, uh, the county, as I mentioned before, is a small county. Uh, so there aren't a whole lot of officers, but they do have a staff here. Total staff is 43 officers. Of course, they work in three different shifts, so they're not all there at the same time. But, you know, you got your, your sheriff, you got your undersheriff, you got your different supervisors, you got your patrol deputies that basically do the work. And the sheriff's office is responsible for the unincorporated territory of the county. They don't police the city, just the really small towns that have no police department, which is the rest of the towns in this county. Um, and they, the deputies each have their own kind of beats or areas they patrol. The county is a very large county. A lot of, a lot of parkland, forests, uh, areas that are uninhabited, as well as the small towns, communities, and people that are here and there. Inside the sheriff's office, I imagine you guys all arrive in one vehicle, right? We only have the one. And you're dressed more like in your government style. Yes. So there's a front desk. You know, there's a receptionist at the front desk who greets people that come in. 
Uh, and there's a door to the side, you know, the glass windows and whatnot. You can see the office area, the different deputies work, and the, the larger offices for the supervisors. Um, so the receptionist essentially greets you with a, with a you know, hello, what can I do for you? Hello, good morning. And I'll, and I'll pull out, out my badge and, and uh, flash it. I was wondering if, if the sheriff was available. Oh, my. Um, oh, oh yes. Just one moment, please. Uh, the receptionist basically checks the phone, buzzes in, um, asks if, if Leo is in, gets a response. Uh, yes, yeah, um, he is in today. He's in his office, but he's in a meeting right now. Uh, who may I uh, ask is calling? Uh, we are a, a task force from the uh, Domestic Terrorism Division of the Bureau. We would just like to borrow a bit of his time, if we, if we could, when he has a moment. Oh, is this a homeland sort of situation? Potentially, yes. Okay, very well. The receptionist buzzes the sheriff again, and then uh, gets a response. Now says, okay, well, 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 Sheriff Leopold, we'll see you now. Thank you very much. She hits a button to buzz the security door, which opens up to the side, and then he gets up from the chair as well and walks around to the door and then leads you through. There's a little bit of a bullpen here where there's a couple of kind of cubes where different patrol deputies would do the reports and paperwork. Now, those are pretty much empty. There's just uh, like one deputy in the patrol area. Uh, she is drinking coffee today. That's what she's sitting there drinking coffee, looking over some paperwork. There's uh, all around the building there's side offices with different guys' names on it. Like the investigation guys get their own office. You know, patrol supervisor gets his own office. Then next, there's a sheriff and there's an undersheriff have adjoining offices. You know, undersheriff is deputy sheriff, basically, or the, the vice sheriff. So um, mm-hmm. she leads you over to Leo's office, um, knocks on the door. Says, you know, Leo, we got somebody here from Homeland to see you. All right, so Leo stands up, smiles, doors open, he, he waves you guys in. Uh, then the receptionist closes the door after you guys all enter, and she leaves. And what was his name again? So we have Leo Porter. He is the sheriff, elected sheriff of this county. He's a 55-year-old, overweight fellow with kind of that cowboy, easy look to him. Uh, he's, he's got a large mustache, uh, round face. He's wearing the sheriff uniform, of course, like, like you would expect. It's a little, fits a little tight on him. He's also got a vest. It looks like a fishing vest, frankly, over the sheriff uniform. Uh, he sits at his desk. It's a large, oversized desk with a lot of paperwork. It's just pretty disheveled. He's got some photos on the wall, fly fishing and picture shaking hands with important people. Uh, there's a window there, uh, second floor view of the street outside. He's got a flag in the corner and some awards and things. And there's a couch and there's a small table for, for meetings and whatnot. Uh, but Sheriff Leo Porter gets up from his desk, comes over, smiles, offers a hand. Yeah, and I'll and I'll I'm 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 in the lead of the little group, I think. So I'll I'll offer my hand and shake it and say, "Good good morning, Sheriff. Terribly sorry to bother you this early." Good morning. I understand you folks here from Homeland uh, Department of Homeland Security. Well, we're from the uh, the the Department of uh, Domestic Terrorism with the FBI, but we're we're liaisoning with them. Oh right, right. Uh, so uh, what brings you to Lewis and Clark County? I understand that you recently had uh, an unfortunate passing away of your deputy. Excuse me? Uh, De- deputy Sheriff uh, Fred Jacob. This about Fred? Yeah. What, what you folks looking into Fred's, Fred, um, we already reported Fred to the EPA. That, that, it's a, they told us it's a chemical spill or something. I don't know what, why the four of you are here. There were some interesting test results that got some interest in D.C., and uh, we just wanted to make sure there wasn't any potential incidents brewing out here. Fred was a good officer. He's one of our best men. I mean, he, he's not involved in any kind of whatever you folks think he might be involved in. Oh, no. No, no, ab- absolutely not. I, I firmly believe that he is a victim of whatever may, may be going on out here, and we want to make sure that there aren't any other victims like him. Uh, we haven't had any other Deaths in our county of, of the nature of Officer Fred Jacobs. This is an isolated incident, and we, we reported it. I reported it to the EPA and, and the local state agencies as soon as I found out. It was it, they're on top of it. We had a, two days ago. We had a couple of ladies come in here and ask a lot of questions. They're already investigating this thing. I mean, they think it's um, you know a toxic spiller and then some pollution or something such. But I mean, I, this ain't no domestic terrorism lady. Well, we're we're just checking into it to make absolutely sure that that's the case. Can you tell me what what your deputy was working on prior to his passing? If you think that's important, um, certainly. Listen, um, listen, ma'am, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in touch with the ship's his shift supervisor. I, I don't have that paperwork myself at the desk, but his shift supervisor will be able to help you out. He can 
we go through the logs. Uh, we all we all wear um, we're all required to wear the those cameras, those PDRD cameras. So you know we got that stuff. Jacobs, he was nothing's going on with him. Uh, he was model sheriff, and no no complaints. Uh, he's a good boy, and we all feel truly horrible. This this happened to him. We wish we knew what it was. So uh, if you if you wouldn't mind, just one one second here, uh, one second. So he dials up. He asks for uh, uh, Deputy Chris Cooper, and he gets Chris on the line. You know, tells Chris that he wants uh, there's a government people here. They need to look into Jacob's service records, and you give them all your all the help they need. You know, you got my permission. All right, he, Chris. Chris answers back on the speakerphone. All right, understood, sir. He disconnects. Yeah, so yeah, Chris. Chris will give you all the paperwork you need. And um, and listen, if you need them, um, I'm I'm happy to help you out because we all. Uh, Jacob is one of our finest. Um, there's a, a fellow here, my best investigator. I want you. Uh, I want you to talk to him as well. He can he can give the ins and outs of the county. He knows everybody around here, all the places he might go into. Uh, just one second. So he dials a fellow uh, by the name of Eric Hayes uh, on, his, on his speakerphone. And Hayes answers like first ring. Hayes picks it up. So he says, listen, Eric, I got some people from the federal government here, some task force people. You've done that task force with DA a couple times. He says, oh, yeah, of course, sir, of course. You know, and you know, you know the drill. I mean, these people here, they're, they're going to help. They're going to look into Jacob's death. So, you know, I need you to keep an eye out, help them out with this investigation. Gotcha. Understood, sir. All right. So he... Hangs up with him. All right, so um, Cooper's just down the hall, um, third door over on the right side. I'm going to have Hayes meet you over there as well. Uh, he's one of my best men. He'll give you all the help you fellows need. Listen, whatever it was, we just want to... Jacob's had a lovely wife, Christina. Lovely, lovely people. Um, we feel terrible about this. Hope you guys can help us out with this. I, I truly hope that we can as well. And may I just say, I'm very sorry for your loss. He sounds like a wonderful person. This this Hayes is a, is one of your deputies. Yeah, um, Eric Hayes is our senior investigator. He's also a sheriff's deputy. Uh, he uh, he's just the best investigator on the force. Any other questions? Have you have you heard much from Jacob's wife recently? Oh well, you know um, when this happened, we all you know, everyone here at the station we uh, we made some food, casseroles, pies, whatever. We all visit the house. Um, yeah, she's in an awful state. Awful state. Frankly, I haven't seen much of her around here. But it's understandable. But, you know, we, we've been sending gifts and people have been checking up on her and making sure that, that, that she's all right. Good. I'm, I'm glad. This is, I'm sure, a very difficult time for her. Yeah, they, they were expecting to. It's a real, real sad story, those mm-hmm. two. Damn. I'm sorry to hear that. Was, was expecting? Is she still, she's still pregnant or? Far as I know. I mean, last I knew she was, uh, I don't know, six, seven months pregnant before all this happened. So I, I haven't heard nothing else. All right. Well, we will have a, a chat with uh, Mr. Cooper and Mr. Hayes, and we'll let you know if, if we need anything else. All right. Hey, listen, my, my door is open. We, we, we have to cooperate with federal authorities. Uh, you people from Homeland do great work. Thank you very much. And I'll, st- I'll, I'll, I'll lead the way back out into the hall. He, he leads you out, closes the door after you leave. Uh, a couple doors down, you guys find the office of Patrol Captain Chris Cooper. Uh, so Chris is maybe 10 years younger. So he's about 45 years old. He's got a, a full beard. It looks looks a little weathered, a little tired look on him. Not as communicative or bolsterous or whatnot. He wears a sheriff's outfit like everybody else. He's doing paperwork. He's responsible for the shifts and managing everybody, sending out who goes where and whatnot. So he's a supervisor, not really a patrol guy. Um, before before we get to, to Cooper's office, I want to pause in the hallway and make sure that no one's listening and, and ask Rory, is there any way that you can tell how long ago um, from, from from the report, how long the, the, the contamination might have been happening? I, I, I want to I see if we can, uh, how far back we might need to pull records. I mean, if based on those levels, it could have, it looks like it could have taken years, but that doesn't mean it did take years. I'm wondering if it was something like a large amount. Normally, you don't see those levels unless it's been like decades of exposure. Mm-hmm. But it would something would have turned up before this if it was that bad. That's that's what I'm thinking. There would have been. I mean, you're the doctor, but there would have been pre-existing conditions yeah. from that sort of poisoning. And I'll discuss it. I can. That's something I can bring up with the mortician or see if I can find out more about on that end. Sure. All right. Thank you. And then go go to Cooper's door and tap on it. Yeah, and Cooper's got a small office, just just large enough for him to do the paperwork. Basically, mm-hmm. he just he manages the schedules, who's going where, deals with all the personnel, 
HR kind of stuff. He has, that's where he's stuck now in his, his career path and probably where he's going to be. He doesn't seem like the type, looking at him just for a moment, he doesn't have the charisma, the charm, the glad handling. He's not going to be running for sheriff anytime soon. So, but he's expecting you, and this is part of his daily job. He's got his mug of coffee uh, spreadsheet on, on the computer. Sitting inside this office is another officer. Um, this fellow here is Eric Hayes, maybe five years younger. So he's like 40, 41 years old, blonde, uh, short hair. Uh, he's got a mustache. And he's also wearing the same thing everybody else. Sheriff's outfit on. A little more relaxed look to this guy, though. He's not as buttoned down as anybody else you see. Uh, hands in his pocket like he's waiting for you guys to come in. Smiles a bit when you enter into Cooper's office. So Cooper looks at the four of you as you enter. It's, it's not a large office for the, the six of you. But you manage to slide in. Hayes just nods. Eric Hayes just nods, doesn't say anything, kind of sly smile. Hangs out by the wall. And Cooper gets up, um, dusts off his shirt a little bit, offers his hand to shake. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll shake his hand. Um, I'm also, though, keeping half an eye on this Eric Hayes fellow because he strikes me as someone who might have more of a read on things. Eric is basically trying to be a wallflower, but kind of failing at it is what's going on. Sure. Here. So so Cooper's, <laughs> Cooper says, you know, uh, Deputy Chris Cooper, uh, you are. So that was something that I was thinking about because I was like, oh, hey, I'm going to have to use my real name in front of these guys. Great. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I would introduce myself as uh, Special Agent Redacted. So does that mean the rest of our characters at this point have heard her real name? Which, well, it sounds like she's that your characters have heard unless she's using a fake name. I'm not, I'm not saying me. I'm saying our characters in this situation. No, prior to this moment, you wouldn't have heard her real name. But up until, but right now, we're now hearing it. We're hearing a name. Yes. We're hearing a name. Okay. You, you are hearing a name. And as was said in my briefing documents, it is easier to use, to use a real identification document. So it's pretty sure that this is her real last name, at least. So Cooper sits down again, uh, looks over the, the five of you in his uh, small office. Yeah, so I understand this is about uh, Deputy Jacobs. Uh, what what can I do to help you guys out? Yes, uh, we were we were curious about anything that he may have been looking into in the. And I'll glance over at Rory, two to three months prior to his his death. Rory will nod like kind of slowly. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, sure, we can get those records. Uh, specifically, what are we looking for? Judges, his shift logs, police reports. Shift logs reports, if you have any, the sheriff mentioned that you all wear the body cams. If we could get access to those uh, recordings, if you have them that far back, that would be deeply appreciated. Yeah, yeah. What, what we do here is um, after the shift, everyone's required to plug their PDRDs in to the system. and It just downloads that day's data. So we just have to have a search parameter and we can bring it up on our, our computer. So if there's a date you're looking for, or a date and time, as long as it was recording at that time, you know, sometimes... Sometimes these things they don't they don't work the way they're supposed to work. Yeah, technology it's it's tricky like that. Yeah, you know it's supposed to make our lives easier, but it just never never does. Always makes things just a, a two steps more complicated. Yeah, so I mean, um, we can't really have that. I can't give that to you. I, no, well, of course. I will let you do is I mean, you have access. You have access to our computers, and you just you tell the operator the date, time, whatever. We will be happy to show you those videos. Excellent. Um, we'll probably be able to narrow it down a bit more if we're able to have a look at his uh, records and any and any reports that he filed. Okay. Yeah, um, last couple months? Two to three months, I think. Three at the outside. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I can authorize that. If you want, I guess we can find one of the spare terminals, um, hook you guys up with a guest account. I can have the IT guy, whatever it is they do, where they give you those papers. That's yeah, it's, it's above my pay grade. Yes. I'm I'm familiar. How far back do you keep the uh, videos? I don't know. Um, there's some rules or laws we have to keep them for, I think it's a couple of years. I, I can't remember. Uh, it's, it has to do with the uh, district attorney can answer those questions for you as far as uh, our mandates. No, I was just curious. That's, that's more his bailiwick. Yeah, so um, do you have any other questions about uh, Jacobs, Fred Jacobs? Uh, we're, we're, all, we're all feeling the loss. Uh, yeah, you don't know ha- happen to know who actually did the autopsy. Is it the the mortician or? We we just got one one county coroner. That's all we've got in this county, and not a lot of large staff there. Let me think what that fellow's name is. I mean, I guess they would have that report. Yeah, if, if you have the report, you probably are a step ahead of this fellow. Okay, Halsey, 
Holsey is the guy. Um, yeah, he works over there um, at the hospital. We got a the morgues attached to the hospital, uh, kind of a basement wing. So yeah, you can reach find him over there. He's the one that did the autopsy, as far as I know. Did uh, Deputy Jacob have a particular territory he usually worked in? Oh yeah, yeah. I I could show it to you. I mean, I I could tell you the parlance, but it's not going to mean anything to the four of you. I mean, he he, he reads our seven feet. That's a particular section of the county that he patrols. East County, mostly East County. So, but I'll I'll have someone give you guys a map if you like. Yeah, he just checks up on different parts of the county. I mean, in a single day, he can't patrol the entire beat. It's just too much territory. So we we I like to have my deputies rotate different days in different sections of the county, kind of check up on everything. And uh, he was a, was a good deputy. No no trouble. You didn't have any signs of sickness uh, in the past few months. Well, I mean, I understand that, that he died of uh, illness, right? That was my that was my understanding. Yeah, let me think here. Um, I know now he died. Let me think here. On Wednesday, September 29th is when he died. He got sick. Goodness, that was Monday. That was Monday night. That was that was the night before. That was the last. I mean, right before he died, he was ill. We all expected that's why he died. I mean, he got sick on Monday. He went home. Um, next day, he was dead. So I don't know what we don't know what happened. He got sick here. We sent him home. But he wasn't showing any other symptoms of, of a longer-term illness? It was only just the very sudden onset? No, no, no. Healthy, healthy fellow. No no problems. I mean, he is, he's a young fellow in his uh, late 20s, if I'm right. He and his wife doing great. Uh, no illness, no problems, and no, no cancer that we all know. So, yeah, he got sick on a Monday. And the next day, the next day, that was it for him. Interesting. And I'll glance over at Rory as I, as I say that, because we've been talking about the metal poisoning. Just like, hmm. Okay. Right. And I'll, and I'll, I'll look around at the rest of the team to see, any, to see if any of them have any other questions. All right. Well, we, we, we would very much like to get access to those records as soon as we can. The sooner we can get this cleared up and get out of your hair, the sooner everyone can go back to their lives. All right. And so, um, Eric speaks up then for the first time. Hey guys, I'll, I'll take care of that. I got, I got that covered for you. I got, I got it. I got it, Cap. So, um, let's see. It's Chris. Chris Cooper just kind of shrugs it off, wishes you good luck, lets you all leave his tiny little office. And uh, Eric, <laughs> Eric Hayes steps up with the, with the four of you as well. Okay. So in the hall, he smiles, offers a hand. Eric Hayes, uh, investigator. You know, I've, I've worked with you guys before. I, I've, I've been a lot of DA task forces. Uh, here, the Missouri River Task Force, we deal with a lot of drug interdiction, uh, major gangs, mm. major crimes. Uh, I've seen it all. You know, I'm, I'm the guy here that, that manages this kind of stuff, you know, so I've seen some strange stuff. Well, then I appreciate having your uh, expertise at our at, at our side. So uh, you guys are looking at the Jacobs, obviously. I mean, we all, we all, good man. We all love them. You know, he, he and I, we used, we used to go fishing from time to time. You know, I, I could show you some pictures if, you, if you're interested. Do I get the sense, is this guy legitimately just a talkative fellow, or is or is this guy just trying too hard? Roll human for me. <laughs> human, human intelligence. Oh, this is going to be wonderful. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, this, well, you can check that. He, yep. he, he's friendly. It's a, it's a Montana thing. It must be. <laughs> yeah, my, sorry, I was going to say, my human int is 12, only because I failed it last time I tried. Uh, I've, I've had eyes on, on this Hayes fellow since we walked into the office. Cause he just, he pinged to me as someone, as someone who knows, who knows more than he says. Oh no. He's just friendly Montana dude. Yeah. But uh, Rowan, mm, you might as well yeah, roll, r- roll human for me as well, Rowan. I'll see what well, your Thank FBI you. Instance. I have a 60 in this. <laughs> I have a 60 in this. I have a better shot at this. Good Lord. 46 success. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's, you're a little uncomfortable with his friendliness. That's the sense mm-hmm. you get. He's, he's a little, he's being too friendly. Yeah. Okay. I think he doth befriend too much. <laughs> well, and, and, and my instinct is, is that this is someone who may try to guide us away from something. Oh, no. This guy's just a friendly Montanan dude. Mm. That, that's all right, Rooster. Leave the, the peopling to me. I have my <laughs> suspicions about Mr. Hayes, but I'll share them when we're not around him. <laughs> yes, and I and I will do I'll do the same once we are once we're back once we're back in, in our back in the car. So um so Hayes Hayes will basically show you guys here's this is our break room over here. If you guys want some coffee, we got some extra donuts. 
you know, over oh, here. Oh, sure, I'll take a donut. Yeah, help yourself, you know, uh, glazed. I don't know, you got maple? Uh, um, I don't know, I don't know. Those are, those are really popular around the station. There may not be any left. You got to get those fast. I'm going to go over. Ooh, sprinkles. Yeah, you, you did find that somebody ate half a maple. They, they, they cut half, they just, just half the maple, the rest of it's still there in the box. I'm going to stuff the maple in and then, and then take a <laughs> rainbow sprinkle. There we go. So he goes, he shows you where there's a spare terminal and, and gets the access, hooks it up. You guys can use it. Does a little thing so you guys can access the files of, of the deceased deputy. Hangs around. He says, uh, so, uh, what can, what can I do for you? What can I help you with? Do we need? Well, right now it's going to be a lot of uh, digging through records and talking to people. So right at the moment, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at at, at Rory. I think you wanted to talk to the uh, the coroner. Yeah, if I could, I don't know if you want to let me. I could take the rover, or if you have another way, I just need to go to get to the hospital, talk to the coroner, just see what his thoughts are. I th- I think I'm going to be here for a little bit, digging into the into the records. If anyone wants to join me on that, they can, but. If you if you guys want to go and do some investigating off off over there, I also don't mind being dropped off at the hospital either. Hey, so if you want, I don't know, boss, boss, where you want me? No, no. Yeah, I, I got a car. If you guys need a lift, I can give you a lift to the hospital. That's no trouble at all. I appreciate that. Finish chewing and swallow before you start that sentence again, sir. <clears throat> boss, where you want me? Takes another bite. Uh, right now, I think I want you uh, with, with the doc. Yeah, I think. I think I'd, I'd like to talk to the uh, coroner also, and, and do you think we should uh, go talk to the uh, EPA and the uh, local environmental guy, or do you want to be in on that? I think, call me when, when you're done with the coroner, and we will see what information we've gathered from our two sources before heading over to the environmental folks. We'll take the car then. Yeah. All right, so Eric, Eric will stay then. Eric will stay and help out Agent Rowan. With her investigation. Oh, no. Since we're leaving. <laughs> Damn it. I was hoping to foss him off on you guys. I okay. If it, was, if it was like just me, it probably would have gotten him to go. But <laughs> makes more probably, makes more sense for the three of us to go and then. Yeah. It does. No, I, 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 I get it. I will be the charisma person on this one. <laughs> he's, he's very helpful. He's love to help you out with your investigation. Rooster's going to um, give her a little hand signal, like a, a phone, fingers on, on a phone, and then number two. Mm, okay. All right. So um, before the three of you leave, I want to have Agent Rowan give me a, a little investigative role. I'm thinking uh, the best thing for this is either some kind of bureaucracy or it could just be um, you could suggest something to me that you like. So the two things that I was thinking of initially were bureaucracy or computer science to to use the the training that I got in the FBI to like dig through things and find patterns. I mean, bureaucracy makes more sense for the what you're going through, basically going through paperwork. You're gonna be reading his paperwork and his reports, and there's this it's not really like it's not really a software situation. It's just gonna he's written reports and they're they're word documents or the documents you're gonna go through compare accounting would also be helpful, but mostly bureaucracy would make the most sense. Okay, then I will do a bureaucracy roll. That's a word that's hard for me to say. Yeah. And, uh, and you, you'll still succeed. It's just this is a time thing we're figuring out. How much time it takes you to, to dig into this. Sure. Okay, that's a 24. Made it. All right, good. All right, so we'll get those results to you in a bit because it always takes a little bit of time. Oh, yeah. She's sitting and reading, occasionally adjusting her glasses, trying to ignore the person at her shoulder. So the other three of you borrow the car, drive on down. It's, it's like two blocks away. Attach the hospital, basement of the hospital around the back is where the, the, the coroner's ward would be uh, and the county morgue as well. It, so, it's, actually a, it's actually a separate building. Oh, okay. So it, I, it, it's actually showing up on my map. It's about three blocks away and it's right next. No, I take it back. It is two doors away from the sheriff's office. Oh my God. Excellent. You guys can walk. If you that makes to. sense. So yeah, we, we're we don't take the car. We get in the car, no. turn on the GPS, get out of the car. Exactly. <laughs> no, the, about three blocks away is the office civil bureau of the sheriff, but the coroner's office is two buildings away. Amazing. All right, let me see here my information. I take it back. It's one building away. It's just a big building. Walking to the parking lot, you literally have to pass the coroner's office. All right, so um, going through the coroner's office, there is a one person sitting there at the front desk. Uh, it's a girl. Uh, well, she's in her early 20s. She looks college age, kind of thin, glasses, uh, doing some reading behind the desk. 
as the three of you walk in, uh, looks up kind of curiously as you walk in, uh, doesn't say anything, just kind of watches you and waits for someone to approach. What's she reading? Um, look, it looks like some kind of textbook, maybe a, a human biology or something like that. Rory will walk up and he's got his, uh, he's actually in his military uniform, like his uh, camo outfit. He'll walk up to her and say, hi, I'm uh, Captain Redacted, here with, the FBI, here with the FBI investigating a death. Can you point me to the coroner? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, coroner Holsey. Well, he, well, he's, he didn't come into work today. He's, he's, uh, felt ill or something. He, so, um, but there's just nobody back there right now. It's just, just me. I'm Sarah, Sarah Rice. I'm interning here uh, as part of some coursework I've got from the University of U of M. But you, know, I can leave a message for you. Maybe we can call if you can, tomorrow. Maybe he feels better. He can, you can talk to him. Uh, well, you can, why don't you show me around? Oh, I don't think I can, I don't think I can do that. I'm just man, I just man the front desk. I, I'm not a doctor or anything. Well, we just need to, um, I guess I already have the report. So what's it? Do you have a cell phone number? House number? Oh, oh, I, I, I can't give out his, his house number. Um, I don't okay. think I can uh, give out his house number. That's, that makes sense. As soon as I heard he was sick, then I, I pulled out the burner phone and I'm texting Rowan. The coroner is sick. Yeah, so you, that, you get that message, Rowan. Something is buzzing. One of your phones is buzzing. <laughs> One of your phones. Pause. Pause staring at the screen for a second. Sigh. And then pat pockets to figure out which phone is buzzing. <laughs> so the burner one, flip it open. There's a text message there. You got it. Hmm. So I, I, I'm I, sorry, guys. I mean, uh, he's 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 not in, in today. I really can't give you access to the lab or anything. All right. Well, and I kind of step back and talk to Bruce Turnover. All right. What's the plan now? You want in back there? Uh, I mean, I was more interested in getting the opinion of the coroner in person. I don't necessarily need to, I don't know if there's anything back there to look at. What about you, River? We need to, f- we need to find the coroner's address. Uh, I've already let Rowan know that something's up here. First of all, we need to find out if he's all right. Do we know if the body, if there's been a funeral or if the body is still here? Which, Would we know which, that? which body? For, for, uh, this is just, I'm not talking to Sarah, I'm talking to you. But for uh, Fred Jacob. Yeah, you guys don't know where it is right now. Um, I will shoot a text message back to to River quickly and, and, and be like, get get as much information on the coroner as you can. Find out what symptoms he has. We need to have a chat with him ASAP. Yeah, and I'll text back. They won't give us his address. Can you get it? It's like sigh and uh, te- text back. Can do. Rooster looks back at Rory and River. So you need me to distract her? I just look back at Sarah. Thank you for your time. And you, I head up. I start heading toward the door. She just waves and says, okay, right, take care. What's wrong with the corner? I mean, is this uh, something that came up suddenly? Oh, I, 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 I'm sorry. I don't know. He just called. He just called in sick. Was he here yesterday? Oh, no. Let me, let me check. Hang on. So she takes a look at the, uh, the records. Uh, no, 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 he wasn't here. That was the 5th, right? No, that was Monday. He wasn't here either. She looks at some more paperwork. Wasn't here but he was, on... When's the last time he was here? Oh, it looks like the 1st. Friday the 1st, he was at work. Yeah, that's the last time he, he checked in. Oh, goodness. So, have you just been here the whole time, just doing your reading? Well, that's my job. I'm, I'm, I'm an assistant here. I kind of do the paperwork while I'm studying for university. Oh. And it's human biology. Wow, that that's got to be cool. It's yeah, it's a, you know it's a it's a hard class, but I get I get some hands on from time to time. It's, it's just, that's kind of cool. Hands on, really? You know, we had a he kind of leans on the desk. Had some uh, hands on time back in Iraq too. Oh, so uh, you guys are are you guys soldiers? Are you guys military? I mean, I was. I'm uh, Breckenridge now, but I, I served two tours over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, everyone here likes the, the Breckenridge people. Good good company. Yeah, you know. Um, you know, I know you can't give us uh, his number or anything, but, you know, Sarah, I'd love to get your number if I can. So let's do uh, the old charisma roll. Let's see how Rooster's doing. Oh, no! <laughs> do I get advantage because I'm using... 
he's a soldier and he he used this stuff. I'm going to give you it's it's, it's impressive. In his Walmart, for, in his Walmart jacket, Walmart. He, he looks the part, and he's he, it's it's kind of there's some there's some things there that she likes about Rooster's uh, backstory, the mysterious war veteran thing, and the, the girls go for that. But so whatever your charisma is, add ten percent to it as a bonus, and tell what your success is or fail. Uh, it is a success. Normal okay. success, but okay, it's a so, success. So not a, not double digits. Of, not, not a 44 four, or 55 or whatnot? No, 40 out of 60. Got it. All right. She smiles a bit and kind of gives it a moment's pause before shrugging and takes her phone out. And then, so, so what's what's your number? He gives the tour. Yeah, so she t- types your number into the, her text messaging program and, and sends a little winky face emoji to you and hits send. Ha. He, um... He saves it, puts in Sarah Dash, smart ME assistant, shows her, puts the phone away. Right. She just smiles, a little, a little flustered. Uh, so, uh, is there anything else I can I can do for you, fellas? I mean, what you doing tonight? I uh, not much. Uh, no we plans. are working. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll text you. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. Did right, he put so, this in his burner phone or his personal phone? Oh, personal phone. <laughs> right oh, on. excellent. <laughs> Too bad we can't check uh, the uh, the charisma for that or give you some skills, but it's cool. Anything else you guys want to do with the uh, the, the lovely coroner's assistant? Sarah Rice. Sarah Rice. I mean, not at the moment. <laughs> we'll save that for <laughs> later on. All right, so cutting back to Agent Rowan. Uh, working very hard, and Eric is just kind of hanging around, being helpful, but not really doing much at this point because there's nothing you've asked him to help you with. Yeah, and and I'm I'm just I'm doing my best to ignore him and just focus on the reports that I'm reading. Hearing that he got sick very suddenly, I'm actually focusing more on what happened within the last week or so. Anything that stands out as being unusual to me. Basically, doing good investigation, you're going back in time. You're starting with the most recent and going back. And, of course, he fell ill on Monday, September the 28th. So looking at his reports from the day before, which is Sunday, September 27th, there's an odd encounter where he uh, it just notes that he encountered a hobo or homeless person on the road. And then it's, there's a there's radio traffic indicating he called the station. And th- this process where they do, which you're familiar with, you're very familiar with this, the, the procedure where they, they tell dispatch what they're doing. They tell dispatch what they're seeing. They communicate with dispatch all the time. So he made contact with some homeless person on the road in a, in a rainstorm back on September the 27th, a Sunday. And then there's a, a there's a small break in the, the logs, and then a, they, he discontinued contact and then returned to the station shortly thereafter. Now, there's also a note there from his reports that um, that he was uh, he was covered in sick and had to basically change his uniform upon arrival at the station. How long was the contact that he had with the with the with the hobo? Uh, radio dispatch shows the initial spotting, stopping the patrol car, um, and then a disengaging about maybe six or eight. Actually, it'll be time stamped, so we'll say it's six minutes later mm-hmm. that he disengages okay. and returns to the station. Okay. Is there? I'll I'll, I'll turn to to Hayes and indicate the the report in front of me and ask. Do you record your your dispatch calls here? Yeah, yeah, we got a dispatch log. It's all audio recordings. Um, also, we got a, we got patrol cameras uh, in our cars, which mm-hmm. usually active front facing camera. And um, if he's wearing a PDRD, we'd also have that recorded as well. If I could get all of the records that that you have for this incident on the twenty seventh, that would be very very helpful. I I remember that. I remember that. I was leaving ship when he got back in. A bunch of us were. Uh, morning he got back in some homeless guy threw up on him <laughs> he was he was a mess he was a mess he was covered in rain and and vomit like on his stomach and his pants and whatnot he had a, he had a spare outfit he ended up changing we sent him home ship was almost over at that point uh, i mean he was fine we all we joked about it, it was kind of funny at the time well um i guess it wasn't so funny to think of it i mean he got sick the next day so yeah he did Yes, if I could get those those audio and video records, I'd very much like to have a listen to those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's not a problem, lady. I, I kind of like to look at that myself, to be honest with you. Hey, here, I'll, I'll help you out. Sure. 
So he'll Appreciate he'll take it. over the video room. There's there's an IT guy that kind of hangs in the corner and just doesn't mm-hmm. talk to you because he's an IT guy and has no social skills. My thinking is this. It probably takes you enough time to read all these reports that it takes them to walk two doors down to go flirt with the medical assistant and then walk two doors back. So the rest of the guys come in and they're, they're told where, where you are. They all wander into the IT room as well. Now, there's a couple of com- computer terminals and wires and it's, it's a mess in there. And, and Hayes helps you because he's very helpful. Hayes is. Uh, shows you where the files are, the file tree, locating the right PDRD. There's audio of the dispatch call. So it plays that along and you can hear him radioing in. His, he radios his location where he is, you know, which road he is and what mile marker. And, and, and I'll, and I'll note those down. And uh, he notes about he's, it's raining. It's, it's a, there's a thunderstorm or rainstorm going on. He notes that he sees uh, um, someone walking on the road, homeless person, drifter, whatnot. He's not sure. Radio dispatch, he's going to investigate the 10 4. But we'll switch to the camera. That's more, that's more interesting. So looking at the, the video from his uh, patrol car, you, you see, you know, he, there's somebody walking on the side of the road. Uh, what you can see, from the back of this individual is a, is a white shirt and slacks, not your usual hobo outfit. And he's walking, just walking on the side of the road, just walking into the rainstorm, walking on the side of the road. And the, the deputy goes past him and then reverses slowly and parks behind him. All right, lights, signal lights go on. He, he exits the vehicle and you see him walking into the front to go approach the fellow. Um, switching over to his PDRD, his police department issued reporting device, you see the, the interaction with this fellow. The man turns around and he looks more like um, like a professor or a business person or a scientist or a white collar. And not a hobo, not a homeless person. He's got a collared shirt. He's wearing a tie. He's got a little badge of some sort, a little, little clip-on badge to his um, to one of his pockets, like one of his breast pockets, uh, slacks. So, it, but he's soaking wet. Um, his hair is wet in his face. He's covered in rain. He just and he looks. Uh, you can hear the deputy. It's got an audio on this track, approaching him, asking him if he's okay. The fellow doesn't respond, just nods a little bit. All right, the deputy asks him, look, it's raining, can I get you some help? What are you doing on the side of the road, friend? You know, the guy doesn't say much. So the deputy kind of guides him back to the patrol car. So you see him kind of put a hand on his shoulder, walking back over there. He opens up the back of the patrol car, the back where the you know prisoners would be, asks the man to sit down, the fellow just sits there, uh, doors open. He goes to the back of the car, pops the trunk, uh, takes one of those uh, emergency blankets, like the tin blankets that they use, brings it back over and offers it to the guy. The fellow, for the first time, speaks. He just says, let me go, is all he says. There's a pause, but the deputy seems to be considering this. And the pause goes on for maybe 20, 30 seconds or so, a long pause. So the deputy just, no conversation. The guy in the seat starts coughing to himself, coughing to himself, and then just throws up. It doesn't hit the camera, it's lower than the camera, but you see him throwing up on the deputy. Now, there's no response from Deputy Jacob. No no audio cues, doesn't move the camera, he seems to be just standing there. He doesn't react to being thrown up he on? He doesn't. The fellow sitting there takes the security blanket, he's still wearing it, he stands up, and he starts walking back down the highway. Uh, another minute goes by where the deputy's camera just sits there. You're watching an empty seat of a patrol car. Then the deputy says, uh, radios in, says a disengaging contact. He goes back, sits down in the seat, closes the door, and it returns, turning around, heading back towards the station. So um, Hayes is the first to speak up after all this. He says, you know, that, that's not department policy. We're not, we're not supposed to, if someone is sick, we're, we're, we're not supposed to just let them go. I mean, that's, that's, that's like a lawsuit waiting to happen. Uh, if this fellow was, was sick here, we, we're supposed to call the EMT. Uh, you know, fire and rescue or something. This is not, hey, listen, Jacobs is a great guy. I don't want to say anything bad about Jacobs, but I mean, just between us, I mean, he's not following proper procedure in this video here. That, that's not how we operate at the station. No, I know. I, I have some experience with uh, sheriff departments. What did he seem like when he came back? You said you saw him when he was toward the end of that, coming back with the sick all over him. Did he seem strange to you? Um. He seemed kind of, I mean, kind of embarrassed about it, kind of tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tired. He didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, he didn't really want to talk about it. We, we joked a little bit with him, right? Uh, it was, we've all had, we've all had some drunk throw up on us. It's, it's like a rite of passage in the department. You know, it's, 
everybody goes through it at some point. Uh, you know, once a month, <laughs> we're dealing with the sick and the crazy people. So I think he just didn't want to talk about it. And that's fine. And this was the Sunday before he died? Uh, yeah, looking over the, the, the information, he, uh, this happened on September 27th, a Sunday evening. He came to work the next day, Monday. He got he got sick at work. They sent him home, and he never came back. And then he died on Wednesday, the 29th. And then this is the – so that was like a week ago, basically, that this happened. Yeah, today is October 6th, Tuesday. Did we return in time to see see the videos? Yeah, you guys all saw it. Oh, okay. Have you had any other unexpected deaths or illnesses? Oh no! Around that time, yeah, nope, nope. Everyone's fine here at the station. I mean, um, no, nobody's showing up at random. Not that I've heard of. That'd be my job. I, I mean, I'm the investigator. I deal with all the homicides and whatnot in the county. Yeah, not, nothing strange going on here. I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach over and and, t- and take control of the of the video slider and slide it back to where we could see the the badge mm-hmm. pinned to uh the, the the guy's breast pocket and see if I can get a look at what it is if there's any information on there about this person because that was not a person that I expected when I heard hobo. It's uh it's got a little logo a, a stylized B shaped logo and then there's a, a photo on there which is kind of like. Covered in rain and the lights making it hard to see the photo, but it's probably the guy. You can't tell. Mm-hmm. There's a, a name beneath it, but you'd have to really use your FBI enhancement software Enhance. to get a good Enhance. look at that. Enhance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, so, I'm sorry, can you say it again? We didn't see the name, but what did, could we read? You can't read it unless you use your special proprietary oh, okay. enhancement software that I'm sure our agent has access to. I might, I might have a very special laptop sitting back in the in the hotel room. I, I'm going to turn to the IT guy and ask for a copy of of this video because I need to run it through my software. Yeah. So they burn a DVD for you of both the patrol car, the PDRD, and also the dispatch logs. It's put on DVD for you, and you can make a copy mm-hmm. of a PDF of of his reports as well. Uh, I think Rory's going to turn to Hayes and say, "The show the coroner wasn't there. I guess he's sick. Do you have any way we could reach him?" What do you mean? You want to reach him in his house? Yeah, I want to make sure he's okay. If if Mr. Jacob died that quickly, I want to make sure this isn't happening to the coroner, that this isn't some sort of disease or something. Oh, yeah, hey, sure. Um, Just give me one second. I can get that for you. That's not a problem. So he goes and checks their, their police database, their records. He's got the information. He gives you the guy's name, address, phone number, whatnot. Thank you. Well, I think I think we've gathered what we can... Here at the moment, I'd like to go with you when you speak to the, when you're speaking to the coroner. I'm suddenly much more interested. I I'd, I'd rather do that sooner than later. I think I I think we can. I I have I have I have the DVD in hand. All right, good. I'll I'll slip that into like a, a little shoulder bag that I have, and I I think I think we need to go now if we can. I'm Tiana Hansen, and I play Rowan. I'm Ben Sislowski, and I play Rooster. I'm Seth Jones, and I play River. I'm Joseph Newman, and I play Rory. I'm Thomas Ogus, the Handler. Our story is based upon the role-playing game Delta Green by Arc Dreams Publishing. Delta Green is created by Dennis Detwiller, Adam Scott Glancy, and John Scott Tynes. The Chapter 1 story is based on the scenario Extremophilia, written by Shane Ivey. If you like our story, there's two things you can do to support us. First, Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash theredactedreports. Patrons of our podcast will receive early access to each new episode of the story, Rowan's written reports for each chapter, as well as access to bonus episodes that explore the background of our characters and the story. And if you can't support us directly, please support us by telling people about us. Leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Share us on social media. We're on all the usual social media sites as The Redacted Reports. Thanks for listening.